Welcome to Psych in the City podcast, where sexual fantasies meet sexual realities. Join me as I learn and unlearn with the help of expert guests and friends, all the weird stuff we've been taught about our sexual and psychological selves. Through exposure, education, and conversation, Psych in the City hopes to reduce stigma around mental health and sexuality. I'm a licensed social worker training to become a clinical sex therapist and educator. I love learning about sex, human behavior, and psychology, and believe that having access to education and quality information is a human right. Not to mention, it enables us to make informed choices about the lives we live. This is Psych in the City. Hello, and welcome back to Psych in the City. I'm your host, Sarah Kelleher. I am feeling a lot better about the sound situation, although it is a constant work in progress and things always go weird. And But I'm also very excited about this episode. But before we get into that, I just want to remind my new listeners, my loyal listeners, just the universe in general, please rate the podcast share the podcast. If you could just share it with one person, that would be amazing. Follow me on Instagram, psych and the city BK, and email me if you have any requests or concerns. I mean, I guess concerns, but yeah, sure. Requests and concerns, psych and the city BK at gmail.com. It is so helpful to share and rate the podcast so that more people can find me. Today, I am speaking with someone who is doing a ton of cool things. Chelsea Poe is a porn performer, a director, a writer, and a trans activist from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I first learned about Chelsea and her work through the book Coming Out Like a Porn Star, essays on pornography, protection, and privacy. And I reached out to her via Instagram, my classic move. Chelsea Poe is a Dutch-American filmmaker and porn performer. She has been an advocate for the removal of transphobic language in porn and has been included in the Trans 100 in 2015. Chelsea has continued to push for inclusion of trans women within mainstream porn, including being the first trans woman to be a model on punk porn site God's Girls. Her work has covered experimental film, queer and lesbian themes, and BDSM. She has earned 15 AVN nominations and has screened her work around the world. You can find Chelsea and look at her work at chelseasubmits.com. You can find Chelsea on Twitter at chelseapoe666 and on Instagram, fakechelseapoe. So for this episode, we're going to be talking a lot about Chelsea's work as a performer and as an activist. Chelsea launched a petition in November of 2014 calling for mainstream trans porn sites run by non-trans owners to stop the use of the term shemale within their marketing. The petition received over 1,600 signatures. And this petition, from what I gather, was one of the main reasons that these derogatory phrases have stopped being used on mainstream porn sites. Chelsea and I talk a lot about her experiences as a trans woman in the porn industry and how her activism has impacted her work both positively and negatively. This is Psych in the City. Hi, Chelsea. How are you? 
Hello, I'm doing really good considering this whole time we're shooting this in the um, middle of the election results coming yes. back. So I think I'm doing okay considering all the wildness going on. Yes. But yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's good to hear. I know we're we're on opposite sides of the country, but the feelings are the same right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I want to talk about, I mean, so much. I, I actually learned about you from the book coming out like a porn star and I read your contribution and I just thought it was super amazing all the work that you had done and just your your take on porn and the limitations that you saw and how you just kind of went in there and changed changed it so um what like I just want to you know I shared a little bit about your bio but I want to get into like like who you are what you do what's your background um yeah I'm a performer and filmmaker um I'm originally from the small town outside of um Grand Rapids named Holland Michigan that's basically a mini Netherlands and um basically my whole family's Dutch and that's like where I grew up for the most part yeah so it's like this very strange thing that I'm Dutch American because I'm um from this very small town I think it's like 30,000 people it's so long Lake Michigan and like everything's Dutch there essentially so um yeah 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 it's called Holland oh it's called Um, Holland as well (laughs) yeah it is yeah yeah it's very confusing (laughs) um but so you, you obviously, you actually do know someone who's from there. Um, you know Betsy DeVos, right? Yes. Yeah, she has like a mansion down the street from my parents' house. Wow. Wait, now I'm Googling yeah. Holland. And I mean, Holland's the, the town. <laughs> so yeah. Holland, Michigan. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so instead of like in the Netherlands where like it's all pro-sex work and like pro-weed and everything, we, we just get like this really conservative um kind of backwards thinking of people like Betsy DeVos and like Amway's from there which is a giant like pyramid scheme what's from there I don't know if you know of Amway wow yeah so we definitely have a little bit of that or a lot of the right-wing Republican vibe there so um when I was growing up there um I graduated during the recession yeah, I graduated in 2010. So um, I was originally going to be a music major in college and I played in bands growing up and um, like did DIY concert promotion. But um, because it's so conservative being a trans woman, I really didn't have many opportunities for like jobs there because there was barely any jobs to start with on top of the discrimination that was still allowed at right. the time there of not hiring trans people. So that's actually how I originally got involved in sex work with like camming and that sort of thing. Um, and then I started discovering more porn that I could actually relate to. I'm surprisingly really late to even watching porn in my mm. life. Like I didn't watch porn or masturbate until I was like 18. Oh, so, even, yeah, I was very late yourself. to it. Yeah. I mean, like I had girlfriends and stuff and we like did stuff, but I would never masturbate. Mm. No. I just like didn't feel a real connection with my body. And then when I did, I was like, kind of came out the same way as I like found bands I was really into I'm like who are the performers that I'm really into and like into what they are doing ethic wise and like doing stuff on their own so I started to find people like um Stoya and Sare 
and um, like queer porn, like trouble films um, and Crash Pad that were doing like all this stuff that was trying to change the way porn kind of was perceived that it wasn't just all about kind of the whole 90s stereotype of bleach blonde hair, big fake tits. It just like wasn't really that. So I felt like there was stuff I could actually relate to in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just that I could relate to people like that. So that's what really kind of got me started in porn is the whole idea that I wanted to be able to really own what I want to do, which is really extreme porn and BDSM porn, but still be able to be political and still have my ethics and beliefs and morals and all that. Yeah. So did you first stumble upon porn or the type of porn that you wanted to produce and work in yourself just through your own research or did you kind of like how did that you just did you just search it and found it oh no it's kind of a weird story so um (laughs) being in the midwest there wasn't really a lot of um queerness or anything like that around or like fetish which I always had like BDSM fantasies since the time I could remember but I couldn't ever put a name to them or like what it meant just because it just wasn't around right there wasn't the language Um, for it. it Yeah. And then I got, um, I was like playing in metal bands and like really into that stuff. And then Lady Gaga came around. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? And it, and she was like in latex and like talking about like all this fetish stuff and like openly talking about queer stuff. I um, saw her Monster Ball tour mm. like four or five times. And one of the opening bands was friends with Sasha Gray. And then I was really into that band, Semi-Precious Weapons. And I was like, oh, they're hanging out with this porn star. What kind of porn does she do? And I really just assumed, like, most porn I knew was kind of softcore. And it almost didn't apply to me in a way. Because I was always really into, like, really extreme porn, even though I was really late to porn. Like, I really like gangbangs. I really like, you know, really extreme stuff, like BDSM. And then I looked her up and she's like doing gangbang scenes and like screaming at the guys like to do it better and stuff. Totally. I was like, whoa, this person's amazing. And then I like, um, I think I saw her a few of her interviews on Vice or something like that. And that she was so political and really about going into the industry to change it and change the perceptions of porn girls and being able to be like, well, I can do these really intense scenes with humiliation or degradation, but that doesn't mean I lose my voice to speak outside of it or speak on issues in the industry. I'm obsessed with Sasha but. Gray. I always have been. I think she she was one of my early porn stars, too, that I like. I, I don't even know how I found her. I, and she was really cutting edge at the time when she first came out because she would do these gangbangs and, like you said, like yell at the guys or... And she was super political and she would go on these interviews and be... and 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 just really speak her mind and people really responded to it in a positive way yeah have you read her books Um, like the Juliet Society and all that I'm like (laughs) I don't know I think it's like with a band if the band isn't making music still and they're still doing other projects I'm like that's great you're doing that but like I want to see her like come back to porn and really be given a shot to direct Mm. because I feel like when she left the industry, there wasn't really opportunities for performers to direct. And that's what she wanted to do. And I feel like now it's just so different with um, 
just everyone can self-produce because everyone has good enough equipment now because you can shoot on an iPhone. There's all these different platforms. Like that's mm. the thing that I feel like I really miss with her career about the same time that she went out at such a time when she was winning so many things and really being so culturally relevant. I think that really leaves a really good legacy so, for her like right. career. So you're saying that at the time that she left, there wasn't the same opportunities in terms for performers to be producers at that time yeah definitely not and now that's shifted like everybody self-produces or or a lot of people do yeah definitely I mean I think just the way porn is now is even in like the 90s everyone essentially made bank if you're a porn star you're you know making over six figures a year you're like actually Mm. wealthy And then I feel like in the um, mid 2000s, it started to shift where people could still make a really good career out of porn for a few years. And now it's all just so much based on what you're input into it yourself, because it's not about these major studios paying your bills anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when I first came out to California, like eight years ago, it was still you could get enough shoots where you're shooting two, three times a month for a company. And that's how you're paying your bills. Now it's more you need to produce your own content. So you have your own streams of revenue, which is way more sustainable down the road. But it's just very different now where it's not so much. um, There's really not the gatekeepers of the industry. But I think it's kind of decentralized in a lot of parts of art, definitely filmmaking, music. I think it's just kind of happened with porn as well. Do all of your coworkers and people that you know do molt? Are, are they artists in many different realms? Like they make porn, they make music, they make art, they do this. All Like are, is everyone having multiple streams of revenue just because porn alone is not enough anymore? I mean, I think you can make porn your main thing, but it's just really producing your own content and making that mm. your job um, and just really focusing on that and then having side revenues of a thing like camming, for instance, or... Um, occasionally shooting for other companies I feel like there's definitely a way to make a living in porn like with um just as the adult industry as a whole but it's not so much just based on a company paying you as I think it was maybe even five six Mm. years ago and I think it's going to happen more even after um the pandemic because most of the industry has been shut down people have to self-produce yeah yeah oh I don't think most of these studios are going to survive just like I don't think most businesses are going to survive most of the studios that film porns are they strictly adult content or how does it really work yeah it definitely is I mean I think most companies that shoot porn you're just shooting porn like I think that's for the most part um is that because the large companies like Warner or or I don't know Paramount they're not trying to get involved in in that industry I mean because there's like real movies with full penetration in it um like the canyons do you know that movie Lindsay Lohan was <laughs> no in? is it good um I've never watched it but she like gets fully penetrated by James Dean in it and you can wait see, James Dean the porn star like, there's oh yeah yeah um there's a few different um movies that like are mainstream movies with mm. full sex scenes so I guess you could consider right. that porn I don't know. I think it's just it, porn is just like its own industry. Right. So 
um, you're going to have whatever companies within its little thing that go to the same conventions, mm. you know, work with the same group of models or whatever. And I think it's just um, its own little thing that's kind of contained. So you're growing up in Holland, Michigan, and then what made you leave aside from the it sounds like the discrimination that you were facing as a trans woman and what made you take the jump into porn and filmmaking and performing and being a director and all like, like what was the moment where you were like, okay, I'm doing this. Um, well, I met, um, well, I was like fully um, performing and I was a camp performer for a few years. And then I just started like doing DIY stuff on my webcam and just like doing weird things with editing and then I eventually met Jisley at a college that I lived um, on campus mm. at. And um, I got cast for Crash Pad shortly thereafter. And I um, worked with a few more companies out here. So I went out here um, and did that. Um, and then I went back out here for Pride a few months later. And that just like really cemented that I should move to San Francisco just because I feel like there was just so many mm. queer people. And it was just like so outwardly sexual and like all these things that I really couldn't get back mm-hmm. home. And yeah, it just kind of felt that way that it was, um, yeah, I'll try it, I guess. It was just, um, I don't know. I didn't really honestly have a lot of ideas that I was ever going to move out of Michigan, to be honest. Um, I was in a lot of different like bands and we would tour regionally and stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm probably going to do something in the art realm. But I definitely didn't see moving to California, really. It just kind of happened, I feel like. And I went into it being like, if I'm here for six months, that's great. And then it just kind of became a more serious thing over time. Wow. Wow. So you just weren't sure if you were ever going to be able to move out of Michigan or you didn't want to? (sighs) It's a a really comfortable place Mm. there. Because, like, there's... It's a city of... um, the city of Grand Rapids, which is like a 20 right. minute drive. I moved downtown there right before I moved um, out to California. And I was, I think, five blocks from downtown. And there were like all the, there were like multiple gay bars. There was still like stuff that I felt connected to. And I was only paying, I think, $150 in rent. Wow. <laughs> so at the time, I was um, camming for kink.com. So like I could make rent in a night right. easily. So at the time, it was just like, I wasn't really immediately being like, okay, I need to move right now. It felt very comfortable because it was just like, there's like a pretty good art scene there. There's stuff around where I felt like I didn't have to quote unquote escape. Mm. But at the same time, I definitely would have not had the opportunities that I have now. Um, There's a lot of really great art from Grand Rapids, just most of it never gets out and that's kind of the problem yeah. so I don't know I feel like I would still probably be doing this in some capacity mm. in Michigan but um I feel like I definitely would have not had the same opportunities and not have been able to get out to as many people so how has your performance work and your filmmaking work changed compared to when you first started camming slash getting into the industry versus now because you've been a performer for how many years it's about I've been camming for nine years now and I've been performing in porn I think for yeah eight. so 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 when you mm-hmm. first you know and and from what I'm understanding you started to cam because it was a way to make good money 
and explore your sexuality and that a lot of the jobs where you were living there was just a lot of transphobia yeah I mean at the point when I graduated I was trying to get a job there was like it was the peak of unemployment in Michigan during that time so like unemployment was like 10 percent so I didn't really even have any prior job experience so it was like applying for a job at Subway and 100 people are applying So, like, the transphobia obviously doesn't help, but I just feel like there were so many people who I grew up with who just had to simply move out because there just wasn't any jobs, really. Yeah, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I think how it's how it changed performing-wise, though, is, like, I think I've just had so many experiences, and when you go through these experiences on set, whether it's positive or negative, it makes you a performer because you've been through it and you know that you can get through this next thing. I think it's with anything you do. If you've been doing it for eight years, you're definitely going to figure out the inside, like the, the job inside and outside, just how to perform, how to get yourself in that headspace, how to access that part of your own mind and own sexuality. Mm. Um, I think I've had to do that multiple times is um, during my career, just like really trying to figure out the ins and outs of my sexuality, because I feel like being a performer, you have to be able to access that. Mm. Even if you're in an uncomfortable situation where, you know, you're on set for 12 hours, it's like 3am or something like that. And you have to perform and there's always hot lights on you. And, you know, you got in last night on a red eye flight. Like there's definitely situations in porn where, definitely not ideal but you have to be able to have like the mental strength to get through it and really know that you can right so I think all those experiences have really I think made me a better performer and I really don't have to doubt my own abilities as early on I felt like there was a lot of can I actually do this Mm. or what if I freeze up what if this happens that happens and I think just the longer being in the industry you just learn more about yourself and you really I think just have to figure out your sexuality do you feel like performing has really helped you get more in tune with your sexuality yeah I think 100% I think you just simply need to figure out all of your things with your sexuality to be a good performer Mm. um because yeah you're gonna be in uncomfortable situations where for me I'm really into like psychological BDSM and humiliation so I feel like I'm able to access that no matter what's going on outside of my head. And I think that's really helped me Um, with BDSM. I mean, just with performing in general, but just being able to get into that headspace and access that in any moment and hopefully give a good performance Mm. from it. So you're saying that even if that's not necessarily what's going on in the scene, you know that turns you on. And so you're able to channel that in your mind so that you're able to perform better yes yeah awesome yeah a hundred percent yeah and you feel like that's key in being a good performer yeah I think so I think there's a lot of people that you might see in porn for like a year or whatever um that it's just more of a surface level it's simply Mm. physical and for me I just that just doesn't work for me I really need to be fully invested in it because I know um, just from experiences, you're going to be on some sets that are uncomfortable or something goes wrong that you're going to be up late or someone else cancels and there's all this chaotic stuff. And I think as a performer, you just have to be able to tune that all out and just really 
be able to focus on what's at hand and really focus on your performance. You have continued to push for inclusion of trans women within mainstream porn. And tell me about how, how, I mean, you are a trans woman, so, you know, that's how you got into it. But, but Tell me about the petition that you started to stop the use of transphobic terms within the marketing of Mm -hmm. mainstream porn sites. And I guess, have you received negative feedback in the industry due to your work? Yeah, I mean, I think being from a small town, I think I came in very naive in a way where I'm like, okay, well, if I say this stuff that's basically universally agreed upon people are going to agree with it. Like, like with slurs and stuff, I was like, okay. If you look on the HRC website, it lays out like in media, you shouldn't use these transphobic mm, slurs. Yeah. Right. So I went in naive and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to say this stuff. People are going to be like, oh yeah, you're, you're right. And I didn't really realize the whole like monolith behind it of all these like cis white guys who own most trans porn sites in that they like make a career off fetishizing mm. trans women. I didn't really understand the grasp. So um, yeah, I got a lot of hate for that. Um, I don't know. For me, my whole thought process is, it very much goes back to Sasha Ganstoya. Like, why would you put all this demeaning stuff on me when I'm just trying to do my performance and trying to like have my own ethics behind it. And there was such a strong reaction in response to that because I feel like there's so much built into like this like transphobia of like, well, this trans woman has to trick you to have sex Mm -hmm. with you and all this stuff that these like mainstream trans porn sites and even like kink.com has a few sites like that. And it's just, for me, it's just like so beyond gross and just like I think actively harms the trans community is perpetuating Mm. that stuff so for me I was just like well I'm gonna speak what I'm saying if these companies don't like it um that's kind of how it is and then I was on a flight um I think it was here to New York it was like 2 a.m and the flight had wi-fi on it and I'm like I'm gonna start a change.org petition and just see what happens and then it just kind of built from there. Um, I got blocked and blacklisted by a lot of Wait, companies for during starting that. Like the petition. All... Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like all the mainstream transform companies blacklisted me for the most part, except um, Transcentral, who I work with, and maybe one other company. But those were companies already who didn't use slurs, so I got banned from like all these different companies and a lot of. Um, trans women who worked for those companies went after me because they thought it could further them with those companies and those guys who run the sites. Wow. So so, um, there was like all that craziness with it. Um, But within that, my whole thing was like, I'm going to make the porn the way I want to. Like, I don't want, like, I feel like my sexuality isn't really solely defined by being trans. I feel like it's way more defined by BDSM Mm. or how I perform as opposed to just being right. trans. I think it might be a different experience I have than maybe the older generation of trans women in the industry because I came out as trans when I was like 12 or 13, I think. 
So, like, I feel like I don't really have this whole, like, I feel like the narrative that's put on most trans women, that's like, oh, you were, like, a man, then you just transitioned, and it just doesn't really feel like that really felt my nar- fit my narrative mm. so much, where I'm, like, I'm a girl, and I want to do porn, because these girls who I look up to, like, Sasha and Stoya, are doing this. So I kind of just wanted to bring that to trans porn. But I also think looking back, um, learning more about the response to Sasha Gray in the industry at the time, there was a lot of people who very much were resistant to what she had to say at the time too. So I think with more time to look back at it, I know it's the right thing to do, but definitely in the heat of it, there was a lot of um, controversy that arose and just kind of some unfair behavior that I had to deal with from these companies and like the CEOs of these companies. So why are they so attached to using these slurs? What what does it do for them? I mean, all these companies now change all their terms. So the petition worked. Oh, so now at those the time, slurs are not used. No, yeah, they're all gone, essentially. I haven't, I don't know any company that still uses um, either of those words, either shemale or tranny. In so. terms of in terms of all mainstream porn or or specifically trans porn companies yeah i don't think any company really uses it wow anymore. so that was really um, impactful yeah like for instance like the first year i had one of my films nominated at avn i would say probably 10 out of the 12 other nominated films all had slurs in them and now there's like none so i think it's a big step and i um i'm really happy i did that but at the same time these companies really haven't worked on all their issues like there's still um a site that like segregates black trans women to a black trans woman Mm. site so i think as much as there is some progression in that i think there's a lot more issues that need to be looked at and rectified by these companies so i at, at the time of when you started in the industry or or i guess recently a lot of the even the trans porn sites were all run by cis white men yeah i mean yeah definitely um i think even yeah i think it's changed a lot just because as i was saying earlier these studios just don't have the same amount of power because you can self-produce and you own the rights to the footage as opposed to them owning and you not being able to do anything with it other than your one check that you get for shooting oh got it got it so so Mm -hmm. now and so now people can shoot their own content, own their own content and host their own content, which is yes, which is giving those sites less power. Yes, yeah. So when you say that, you know, you want to perform in the porn that you want, does that mean, mm-hmm. you know, at one time you were refusing to work with companies that would use those slurs or not abide by the ways that you wanted things done? I mean, see, I again, I think I was a little naive coming out here. I was like well, if I work with these companies, I can change it totally. from within, which didn't really work. Um, because when I started saying things they didn't agree with, that's when I got blacklisted from them. So even just um, expressing verbally, is, like, "Hey, I'm not sure I'm down with this," so yeah. like any pushback yeah. was negatively received. Yeah, like just straight up not allowed by like the mainstream transform companies. And like further with that, it's just so much that they were they were at least telling me and telling 
on social media that if we don't have the term shemale, all these sites are going to shut down and no one wants to see trans porn anymore. And it's just frankly yeah, it's ridiculous. Just it was ridiculous five years ago. So yeah. Wait, so yeah, their so, argument was um, that if we take out these words, no one's going to want to watch the porn anymore? Yes. Yes. <sighs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff with porn where these things are laughable in regular life, but within the industry, some stuff can become so mm. normalized that talking points like that, you're like, I don't think I'm super crazy radical, but in porn, if you speak out against stuff like wow. that there's gonna be a certain amount of people are gonna be like wow she's just crazy and wants to destroy the whole industry so i think it's definitely just um a thing of just figuring out um now being like i needed to almost have that confrontation at Mm. the time not that i wanted it but i don't think i would have done that if i kind of knew what i knew now but i'm happy i did looking back because i think it changed it yeah yeah absolutely and with all the negative feedback that you received, was there a lot of positive feedback from other performers or other producers or other filmmakers? Like, like there had to have been some positives. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I've gone to talk to a lot of people and really get my, what I'm doing out on mm. a bigger scale. So I think it's um, kind of the same thing with um, Sasha Gray, where I feel like I've been able to get my porn to maybe some outsiders of the industry who ne- don't aren't necessarily just on every porn site, but might be reading an article about something I'm doing politically or about me talking about my films in another context other than just seeing me on tsgmail.com right. or whatever. I feel like it, it just gave me more of a voice and kind of more of my own identity than just kind of being another performer. So you have been accused of mixing porn with politics. Why do you think that is such a problem for some for some people for why what does that do to porn I don't really understand I mean I get what they're saying to me it seems like oh you're taking away the fantasy of of that of of that moment but what would your response be when people say that you're mixing porn with politics I mean the thing is is like um, when I toured with my last film I tour with this collective called um, Fuck the Fascism. The film is called Fucking Against Fascism. There's also another collective in Europe called um, Fuck the Mm. Fascism. And um, they're really good friends of mine. I've been touring with them. But their porn is literally going to different, like, historical sites of terrible leaders of the past um, Mm -hmm. and either pissing on their graves, fucking on them, doing all this like really crazy stuff <laughs> it which is like very semi-legal um getting escorted by cops out and stuff so that's um definitely like the stuff I screen with so I think my work is definitely political I think um if you're not using your platform for something good around don't feel like it's really worth having um mm. yeah with my film fucking and fascism we donated um I think it was like 30% of each month's sales to a different charity. So we did the UN Refugee Fund. We did um, Black Lives Matter. We did Trans Lifeline. And I think we did the ACLU. Mm. But um, yeah, I feel like it's just important to try to do something with your platform. And yeah, I don't really think it's... Um, I think there's some people who don't have anything like they're doing artistically being political 
but I think that really comes from a place of privilege where you feel like you don't mm. need to. Um, and my family um, is from like a lot of poverty. There's a lot of like multi-generations of homelessness in my family. And I feel like if I'm not doing anything to try to make just the world a better place with my art, I feel like it's really not worth yeah. doing. Yeah. Is your immediate family, are they supportive of your work? Um. Yeah, well, my immediate family, um, my dad passed away of homelessness like four or five mm-hmm. years ago. And then my mom is um, pretty okay with it. I mean, I feel like I don't have anyone in my family who's against it. I think um, that where I'm from, the idea of anyone going out to California and being able to live in California is kind of like making right. it. So, like, when I go home, it's just, like, a very different view, I feel like. Um, But I think most of my family is cool with it. Um, I have an aunt who's, like, very um, defensive of my work. Um, (laughs) I had an article with paper a while ago, and this, like, um, trans page posted it. And she was arguing in the comment section with someone. Uh, because um, someone was like, well, she, um, they were saying, well, Chelsea made all these people upset by speaking out. And then she was like, well, you need to do that if you're going to say revolutionary stuff. And it was like my aunt. And I even know she was on that page <laughs> until I stumbled upon it where I'm like, that's great. Um, I also have, I also have a um, cousin who is also a trans, a queer trans woman. Mm. So um, yeah, I feel like my family is very supportive um, overall with my job. Um yeah, I really haven't had any issues with it. I also feel like because my family's not really from an affluent background or even we're like middle to lower class, I would mm. say, that it's just being like, oh, well, you're being able to pay your bills. You're being able to, you know, live in California, all this stuff. And I think that's just kind of viewed as successful. Also, n- most of my tr- family has never really traveled around the world. So I think being able to go to Europe and going to Japan and all these different places really is cool. a thing that a lot of people from my hometown are pretty proud of just because there's not very many from Holland or Grand Rapids who get to really do that yeah yeah I mean and it is amazing you know like you are an artist yeah it's really crazy that porn can do all this stuff I would have never guessed in a million years yeah yeah so do you make other films outside of porn or is it all under you know adult content um, I have like a few um, different experimental mm. films, but um, one of my big um, influences is Andy Warhol, mm. his early experimental films. So I definitely have some like experimental elements, both in my porn work and my non-porn work. So I would say what's making me money right now is definitely porn. And I think all of my films in general are always probably going to have some sort of an adult content to it because I, I think it's a really powerful tool. And I think not only do queer people need the representation, I also feel like it's a really powerful tool and thing to depict in your work. And I think I always want some element of sexuality yeah, in there. totally. So what is ethical porn? How do we make sure that the porn that we watch and consume is ethical? I feel, I actually have some issues with like the ethical porn. <laughs> Tell term. me about that. Um, Tell me about that. Because I think there's been a shift of, like, porn's okay, but, like, make sure it's ethical. And it's like, okay, what does that mean, though, you know? Yeah, I feel like it's a lot of, like, it's the same thing that I have issues with, like, the term feminist porn. Mm. Because I feel like it can so often be reduced to, like, 
white cis ladies who are like conventionally attractive yeah. in like soft lighting and that's all it is and i feel like it might not be very inclusive <laughs> right, right. It, it's I, like thanks for changing feel, the light and maybe they're five pounds heavier but i think we need more than that you know <laughs> yeah i just feel like there's um also a lot of those people who do perform in ethical porn or ethical porn directors and they have their brand off that say like really classist things about like um mainstream porn and i think there's some really amazing mainstream porn and really empowering things happening with different women who are you know producing a mainstream porn um like different films that have been nominated at abn and other um more mainstream outlets that are truly amazing but i feel like this whole idea of just trying to throw all mainstream porn away and just be like well only ethical porn is good mm. well some of these companies that are selling under an ethical like branding aren't really practicing ethical things i feel like it's a lot more like um kind of a branding oh totally than an actual set of practices because i feel like most of those companies don't have a set of practices that they're like this is what we do on our sets it's i feel like a lot more about just like branding do a lot of the regulations vary um company to company yeah i think it's almost more just director to director because that's who's controlling the Mm. set so because any company might have five to six directors so i think it all just varies um i really prefer content trades because when you go into those situations it's just you and the other performer and maybe a videographer or two so it's really about what you want to do and no one's there's it's a no pressure situation for the most part where i feel like sometimes with directors they can be pushing and be like we need to have this thing in no matter what and they just kind of get into the mindset of we need to finish this project no matter what the performers are feeling at times i feel like that can be an issue can you explain more about content trades so it's just um basically when two performers want to get together and just shoot um so they can both own it or it could be a shoot for a shoot so something together and then we'll shoot again the next day and then you can own that and i'll own the first day's content um so i would say that's how most of the stuff is done in the industry now and i like it a lot more because it's not some casting director just assuming two people who should work together i feel like it has a little bit more natural energy and just um you're seeing two performers really enjoying themselves and the thing I really love about BDSM is I feel like it gets real because it's such an intense scene. There's going to be a moment where it's not just a porn scene they set up anymore. There's going to be something real in that moment. And I feel like that's what I really like about content trade. I feel like you get to the realness more mm. because as much as it is a work shoot, you're still going to this person who you reached out to or reach out to you who you really genuinely want to work with. I feel like it just has a lot more chemistry that way. That's the thing I really like about performers doing content trade because I feel like you just get a more authentic performance. Right, right. So your view on ethical porn is that the whole idea of an ethical porn company or production company is not really real because it varies so much between director to director. So you feel that ethical porn has become kind of more of a branding thing yeah I think it's very much become a branding thing um yeah I just feel like it might be outward facing the ethical but unless they're laying out what happens on their actual sets right. and what happens when there's consent violations because those things do happen in porn like when you are 
shoot it when people are always shooting stuff there's gonna be some times where someone does something that someone doesn't feel comfortable with and that needs to be addressed um and i feel like a lot of these ethical companies almost don't give themselves a room to do that because they're so worried about their ethical image right so what happens when there is a consent violation on a set? Is there someone there advocating for the performers? Because I, there's, I'm a social worker and I've mm-hmm. been researching into, I want to work with adult performers. And mm-hmm. there's been, I've heard of several things called like intimacy negotiation trainings, intimacy, um, becoming an intimacy negotiator. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, HBO does that. Correct? Yeah, and it, it was yeah. So, is that a thing on on larger sets, or have you like like so? What happens if there is a consent violation? It doesn't. No, that position doesn't exist in the industry. Um, like I've had issue. I've um been in like multiple group scenes with people where someone around me had a consent violation mm. and. We as a company completely wrote, rewrit our whole like um, guidelines to how to handle it and worked with both people um, to try to rectify the situation and just try to figure out what's comfortable for both um, people in it. And the person who accidentally violated the person's consent, they didn't know because it was the middle of the scene and the person didn't feel comfortable to completely stop the scene. Right. So we, so we instantly changed it too. Um, I say this to performers before every time I direct or anything, just if you're feeling uncomfortable for any reason, whether it's your legs feeling tired, whether you're feeling like it's too much or whatever, tell us to stop because we can always just stop rolling cameras. It's always fine because I feel like the better, the more comfortable someone is on set, the better they're going to perform. And for me, it's just trying to make performance feel as comfortable as possible. And I don't, want to ever be in the situation again where someone felt uncomfortable to do that on set Mm -hmm. but I feel like these companies you really have to have your own guidelines for it and know what you're going to do and not just in a way of like oh hopefully this never happens um where companies don't really have a real working way to handle it I feel like a lot of companies are just like well we would never have that happen but not really have a plan for what happens when it does and really how to work through that. So do you think that there will ever be a role of an intimacy negotiator or some form of it within porn? No, I I don't think these sets will spend the money. I don't think these companies will spend the money. And then when you're on content trades, um, basically you have your, um, negotiation before the scene with your um the person you're performing with even when you're working for another company you have this talk that's maybe like 20 minutes before the scene and you're just like hey um what do you want to do today what are you comfortable with how are you feeling that's just kind of what happens on content trade shoots right but i feel like when there's a lesser pressure to get what the director wants on like mainstream sets or a set where you're getting paid I feel like the consent violation is less likely when you, you and the other performer are the ones who are in control of the scene and what you want out of it. And you feel like m- mainstream sets would never really spend the money on that type of that type of oh, role. No, of course, no, not at all. I feel like I'm very naive when I first heard that films were utilizing you know intimacy negotiators for like sex scenes I was like oh cool I would love to do that for 
adult films. But I think I'm naive, too, in the sense that a lot of these production companies just wouldn't hire that. I mean, I've heard you say, like, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in porn, like, right now when things are changing. Is porn changing a lot? I think we're going to see a lot this, like, next porn award season. Um, there was a lot of criticism of ABN and XBiz for not being as inclusive of Black performers mm. um, as they need to be. Right. And this last year, they said they're really going to commit themselves to that. Black performers need to be given more um, opportunities in the industry, and their work needs to be more appreciated. Yeah. And I think just historically, if you look at who's winning performer of the year, it's usually white people. It's, you know, I feel like that's a really big thing that they need to try to be more inclusive of. And I think that's probably a society as a whole. We need to start being more inclusive and raising people of color's voices and their work. Um, But I think the porn industry really needs to work on that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Why is representation so important in what we watch and consume particularly when it's related to our sexuality i think it is important in a way um i have a little bit of pessimism because um i really believe for a long time i'm like if trans people are on tv and you're seeing more trans people it's you're not gonna see trans people being murdered and all this other stuff Mm. and that definitely hasn't happened it's still happening um clearly and I think it's important to give people a voice and visibility in sexuality, but I don't think it's necessarily a cure-all, which I feel like a lot of people, including myself, used to believe. Yeah, I feel like it's just important so people can see themselves and have better views around their own bodies and everything. But at the same time, there's all this inner workings of the industry of are these people on these sets that are getting jobs for inclusivity? Are they actually being treated well? Are they being paid well? Um, How is their work being viewed after that? I think there's just a lot of complexity to it. I think the visibility is um, obviously really important, but I think there needs to be more stuff done on the actual industry standpoint from both critics, um, the, the adult media. I think it all really needs to take a look at being more inclusive I think right now, um, Black performers are definitely the most important, but I think also like including plus size performers, um, trans performers, non-binary performers, I think those are all really important things that need to happen as well. Yeah, I feel like that's something that I was just talking about this with a few of my coworkers earlier. You know, it's like with even with the election, it's that representation is a piece but also, okay, great, we're hiring, we are making inclusivity efforts. But what does that actually mean? And how is it applied in our organizations? And, you know, like, okay, yeah, we're seeing more, more diversity on television and and in media, but how far does it go? Because that's really not that's still very surface level, you know, and like, yes, mm-hmm. it's a step, but it's not there's still many more steps to go. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you. It is, you know, it, I, I think I'm a pessimist, too. My partner is <laughs> always saying that. Um, but I, just because I think it's real, you know, like, yes, it is. It is amazing that we have that we're having these conversations about having more representation and that people are, you know, and that companies are being are being criticized for their exclusivity practices. However, there's still so much more. So it's like, what's the line in feeling positive about change yet still being realistic that like this is barely even scratching the surface for the work that has to be done? Yeah, I think my hope in the adult industry is just 
if performers are producing themselves, I think you're going to see, you know, better onset experiences happening. And then I feel like any art that's being made by the artist alone, mm. I think you're going to see the best end product because you're not having all these other influences trying to tell people what to do and maybe doing something that they're uncomfortable with, but they could really use extra 500 bucks on their paycheck or, mm. you know, um, just doing something that they're not very good at performing at, but they're doing for money. Um, I feel like the content trade thing really kind of decentralizes that and kind of has an anarchist tilt to it because it's really, you know, you can work as much as you want as long as you find people you want to work with and you find the right people. Right. I feel like you can kind of do anything. Why do performers still choose to work with these big companies when they could make the shift to produce their own is it because they're guaranteed more pay like how does it why 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 do people still you know to your point with the director kind of demands it seems like a less comfortable place to work as opposed to producing to as opposed to self-producing i think it can definitely give you a platform Mm. um I think that's a really big one, especially if you're really early in your career. Right. I also feel like it's an easy payday in a way where you're like, wow, I can go do a shoot for a day and basically pay rent, which is great. Um, And it's not, you don't have to edit, you don't have to do all that other stuff. But I would say most performers now do everyone. I feel like most people make their own content full time right now. And then if they get other things, that's great. But I feel like most performers have to make their own content to be a performer right now. Mm, due to COVID? Yeah, well, um, no, I think it's before that. I mean, when I first went to AVN five years ago in Vegas, it's like a full week long. And basically, first year I went, everyone's just at the convention to get studios to work with them. The last three years I went, everyone's just shooting all day with whoever from around the country, or around the world, who's also in Vegas. So it's just really, the whole mindset just really changed where you can shoot a whole movie in a weekend because you want to shoot a movie and you can find three or four people to work with. Got it. And then, and then you can work out the deal of who gets what after it starts to make money. Right. Or, or I mean prior, but, but you can come up with a deal yourself contract. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where you don't have to worry about, um, you know, another company um, accepting your idea or, you know, oh, right. paying, paying you $1,000 to shoot the scene that you love and that's all you're going to get from it. Well, they could be making, you know, 10 grand or whatever amount that the scene ultimately makes. So yeah. I feel like it's really important to own your work. So you actually have a back catalog after eight years or in the industry compared to a lot of performers who've worked for three years and own nothing. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, because that, oh, so so you own all your work. Yeah, essentially. Um, I've worked with some mainstream companies that own that stuff, but I probably own like 85% of everything I've ever shot. When you first came into the industry, were you working with the bigger companies because it's easier to break in that way or? I worked with some mainstream like transport companies just because I really liked Sasha Gray's whole mentality um about porn at the time where she did like some more indie stuff that was essentially like proto content trade um that i thought was really cool and had like a lot of arty stuff in it um Mm. with kimberly kane but um 
I always wanted to be able to do this experimental alternative stuff, but also be able to influence mainstream porn because that's kind of what I want to do. I don't want to just be kind of in this trans bubble, which when I first came into the industry, I felt I was put in so into that. And I felt like I was almost trapped by that because there's all these expectations of how trans women have sex and what's expected and how you're supposed to market yourself. And most of those things just didn't really fit with me. Um, yeah, I'm just a woman who likes to shoot BDSM porn. I'm submissive and that's what I wanted to do. And when I first um, moved out here to work at the Armory with Kink, um, they were like, oh, you're a dom, right? And I'm like, no. And I really couldn't get any more work there because it was just so much, well, if you're a trans woman, you have to top with your cock, you have to dom, you have to do this, this, and this. And that's just really unfit with what I do in my performance. They want trans women to top. Yeah. Um, in the like mainstream trans porn industry, there's a lot of pressure put on trans women to go off um, hormones so they can stay hard and have that appearance. Because in mainstream, they want the trans woman to top the, the male performers. Former female performer, yeah. They essentially just want a trans woman to go off hormones or essentially just like, you know, be able to perform like a male performer. Got it. And that just wasn't what I was really looking for. I was definitely like, you know, wanting to Sasha Gray stuff. I'm like, I want to do gangbangs. I want to do all this intense stuff as a bottom. So for me, when I first got out here, it was just so much like, what, why, why am I working for this company and trying to do all that stuff until I started producing my own work, which I was able to do all that stuff. Wow. So so you lost jobs because you weren't willing to do some of the stuff that they were demanding. Oh, yeah, for sure. What are the expectations for trans women, aside from what you said, in mainstream porn, like to perform like a man with their cock? Yeah. What um, is it to look certain ways, be certain things like? I mean, a lot of it fits into those like transphobic tropes of like a trans woman tricking like a man or like seducing a woman or like all this like stuff right and to me that that stuff's just kind of gross right and problematic yeah 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 like I just like didn't want to do it this like I feel like there's a kind of a misconnotation with what I wanted to do with like why I was so political was basically because I'm like, I just want to shoot porn. Like, I want to shoot porn. I want to do games. I want <laughs> right. to be treated. You're not that political. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just, like, wanted to basically just, like, do be, like, a, no, be treated like any other, like, cis female performer. Right. I just want to do this, this, and this. And then people are like, you're so radical. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not, though. That's actually yeah. really funny just because it's like, no, I just, like, don't want to shoot things that I don't want to shoot. <laughs> yeah so what is your hope for for porn what are your hopes how would you like to see things change whether specifically for trans women or in general um I think just more content trade I'm fine with mostly studios going under um Mm. I think COVID's gonna accelerate that because uh, there's people working for these mainstream sites right now but $1,000 for a sex scene during a pandemic, it just feels like a waste. Like, I just, it wouldn't even cross my mind to shoot that. Um, My partner is immune compromised, so I think I have that level of, like, Mm. not really wanting to shoot right now. But on top of that, it just doesn't feel like it's really worth it. Yeah. Um, And 
yeah, I just don't feel like after all this happens, I don't feel like there's gonna be that many people wanting to work with these companies. I think it's, it's just gonna continue going more towards content trade is, um, even last time I went to AVN this um, last February, this, no, it was January, it was right before the pandemic, basically. It was just everyone working together. Like I didn't talk to any studios. I didn't see anyone from any studios. So I think it's just very different. And that's why wow, really so they're becoming is. kind of irrelevant. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think just like a whole decentralization of art is really cool that people can make an entire um, album on their computer or like make a film on iPhone. Like, I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What are your favorite either production companies or people making porn that you really are into right now that you think are doing some really cool stuff? Um, Aside from yourself, obviously. Yeah, I'm not that into my own work. I'm like that. (laughs) I'm... um... I feel like um, I love Fuck the Fascism. Mm. They're in like Berlin and Chile and they do like, um, they do like really amazing activist work, but in a porn format. Um, Mm. For instance, in Berlin, um, one of the major um, subway stations and zoo is named after this um, far right fascist believed in like um, eugenics and all this stuff. And when they first built the zoo, he had a human zoo exhibit with like people from all over the world in the zoo, which was really fucked up. So what they did is they've um, canvassed the entire zoo exposing this and then they fucked on his grave and pissed all over it. (laughs) Wow. Oh wait, so 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 the zoo still exists. Yeah, it's the main zoo in Berlin. Wow. And so, okay, so then this company canvassed the whole thing, revealing yeah. the history behind it, and then pissed on his grave and fucked on it everywhere. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, that's so... It's so, like, out there and cool. Yeah, I love um, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where I'm, like... And it's, like, historical and cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, like, being... Um, yeah, we've screened um, quite a few times with them. We did a few screening tours of Europe um, with Fuck the Fascism there. Really cool, great people. And it's so just like outside what people is in the United States. And I think that's just really cool. Um, I'm sure you're probably aware of the site Four Chambers. Yes. yes. Yeah, they're one of the coolest um, things ever. Um, one of my other favorite filmmakers is Poppy Sanchez. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, she makes some really, really beautiful stuff. Her, like, color saturation is great. Um, yeah, she's based in Berlin, but she's, um, I think, also, yeah, I think she's from Amsterdam. But Do you travel she's to really... Berlin often? Yeah, I will. I'm usually there every October, but this year it's not. Um, yeah, there's a really, like, big um, alternative porn scene in Europe, so... We do a lot of um, screening tours and stuff in Europe. I actually have a screening tomorrow in Vienna and then in Prague on Friday. So it's definitely where I probably do most of my screenings. Yeah. And they're yeah, all virtual is... right now. Uh, no, Vienna's in person. They're figured out COVID, I guess. Wait, so you're traveling to Vienna? No, no, I can't leave the country right now. <laughs> right. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. It. Yeah. Oh but, but, yeah. oh, but it's screening in Vienna. I got it. I got yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, a few festivals in Europe still happening. So, um, yeah, that's like half of the year. I feel like half of it's like producing stuff and like doing the American conventions. And the other half is all these 
really cool festivals in Europe that are all this cool porn from really around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. It's yeah. been it's been yeah, really thank amazing. You. Please find Chelsea's work at ChelseaSubmits.com. You can find Chelsea on Twitter at ChelseaPo666 or on Instagram at FakeChelseaPo. Also follow me, Psych and the City BK, and please share and rate the podcast. <laughs>